Good morning and welcome to Pinion Hills Community Church Online. It's great to have you here with us today. My name is Matt Mizell. Thank you for joining us. Three things as we get started this morning. Number one, we are multi-streaming, which basically just means that we are streaming in multiple locations at the same time. We're on Facebook, Vimeo, YouTube, and phcc.church slash live. So if one of those happens to go down, don't worry, one of those is probably still up. So again, Facebook, Vimeo, YouTube, and phcc.church slash live. Those are all your options for our multi-streaming this morning. Second thing I want to tell you about is that I would encourage you to get engaged. Now, no, I don't mean that you go and propose to your girlfriend. I guess you could go and propose to your girlfriend, but that's not what I mean. I would encourage you to get engaged with this sermon right now. In fact, you can go download today's sermon notes and all the verses that we'll go through at phcc.church slash resources, or you can open up the Version app and you can follow along as well. The other way that you can be engaged is at the very end of the service today, we're going to be taking communion. It's the first Sunday of the month, so we're going to take communion together. So go get some crackers, some wheat thins, some saltines, perhaps some Oreos to take communion with. Yeah, Oreos for communion. That's never happened before, but hey, in quarantine, that's how we roll with communion, right? So go get something you can have for communion. Get some juice, perhaps. If you don't have any juice, coffee or water, that would be fine as well. Communion is going to be at the end of our service time together so you can be engaged. Third thing I want to encourage you to do is share today's message. Help the message of God's hope and comfort and love go viral in a time that the world desperately needs God's hope and love and comfort. That being said, we're continuing on in our series that we started a few weeks ago called This Too Shall Pass. Two weeks ago when we started this series, we started talking about how God never said that phrase. People oftentimes encourage others and comfort others by saying those four words of this too shall pass, but God never said that, nor did anybody else in the Bible ever say that. More than likely, our 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, he's the one that probably started spreading that phrase because he quoted that phrase all the time in in a lot of his speeches, but God never said that. Nobody in the Bible ever said that. So does that mean we shouldn't use those four words? Does that mean we can't encourage people by saying this too shall pass? No, not necessarily. Uh, That doesn't mean you can't say that or you shouldn't say that. But the reason I bring that up is because God is referred to in scripture as the God of all comfort. We've come back to these verses for the last couple of weeks, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. You can read along with me. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. In other words, it boils down to this. Paul is saying God comforts us and comforts others through us. We've seen a lot of that over the last couple of weeks, haven't we? I mean, two weeks ago, we started this campaign called Boxes of Love. And two Fridays ago, we gave out 400 boxes of food. And while that was encouraging, the discouraging part of that is that over 200 vehicles left with no food because we ran out. So after we debriefed, we're like, let's ramp it up from 400 boxes to 800 boxes to meet the needs of this community. So we did. We had 800 boxes, two different locations. We gave them out this last Friday. And while we started off and started off slowly and we're like, I don't know if we're going to be able to give out all these 800 boxes, then it ran ramped up and people consistently started coming and we gave out all the food that we had. We also made donations to other churches. Other churches pitched in, volunteers came out. There was about a dozen different organizations that pitched in. Many of you donated, many of you offered money or time or resources to help with it. And it was an overall success this last Friday for our round two of Boxes of Love. In fact, it was last Sunday that I talked about one particular story. There was two girls, Carson and Adeline, 10 years old and eight years old, that broke up in their piggy banks and each of them got enough coins and dimes and 
and nickels to buy a box of food to give to somebody else. And that was incredibly inspiring. I heard from many of you of how that was inspiring of little kids giving these boxes of food. So I reached out to their family this last week and I said, hey, would you be interested in having those two girls come and actually give the box that they bought to the family who receives it? And they loved the idea and they showed up to Boxes of Love this last Friday. Check out this video. If I had enough money to buy extra stuff, like I can help other people that don't have enough money. I told my mom, here's my $20, and then Adeline wanted to do it too. So she gave her $20. feel cared for, to know that people that I don't even know care about me. Because whenever my mom said that she was giving box to the people that don't have food, I was just so inspired because just imagine not having food. Put yourself in their shoes. Like, if you're, if you're a kid 10 or 8 years old and you're starving and you don't have the extra, you don't have you don't even have the money to buy yourself food. Think of this, like they get this tiny box of food and that they're grateful for it. I hope you enjoy the food that I gave you. I would say, I'm so grateful that you guys have food. Yeah. Yes. I'm gonna do it a hundred times more. When one person does it, a lot of people see it and they wanna do it just because you did it. Basically, you're inspired. Awesome job, Carson and Adeline. I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful for you. You're being an example to many other people, young and old within our community. Let me read to you a verse from 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. It says this, don't let anybody look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and impurity. Carson and Adeline, you are being an example to so many other people in this community based on your generosity and your willingness to be so selfless. In fact, after last Sunday, many other kids went onto our website and also bought boxes of food because they followed your example. So thank you, Carson and Adeline. Thank you for being an example. Thank you to all the other kids who also broke up with their, opened their piggy banks and also said, mom and dad, keep my allowance this week so I too can buy a box of food to give to somebody else. There's so many encouraging stories in our community right now. And I'm so thankful for many of you. It's not just Carson. It's not just Adeline. It's not just all these other kids. Many of you, hundreds of you have made donations. In fact, we've received donations for boxes of love from six different states. People even outside of our community are, are pouring love and support into our community. We've received over $45,000 and we're going to keep supporting and we're going to keep loving people in our community during this time of need. But I'm so thankful for the many of you who are so generous and so loving. We receive notes all the time in the church. This last week, look at all these notes we've received. People, people sending in all sorts of letters. Uh, somebody said, it may be old school, but this is sent with love. Martha, you said, dear staff and friends, please accept my check to purchase two boxes of love. The other check is for my offering. Thank you for keeping your offering going while you're still supporting other people as well. People are writing other post-it notes of encouragement, other cards of encouragement. This letter says this, when our house burned down a few years ago, your church came to my rescue. Here's $200 towards the boxes of food. 
People are paying it forward. People are being blessed in this community. People who have been blessed in this community are continuing to bless others in this community. And that's exactly what God wants for us. He wants us to be blessed and us to bless others. He wants us to receive God's comfort and to give God's comfort to other people. In fact, we want to continue that on. Next Sunday, as you know, is Mother's Day. And for Mother's Day, we're doing something special for the moms. In fact, let me show you this. We have our first ever, look at this. It's a bouquet of flowers and gift cards. Now check this out. There's Target gift cards, Starbucks gift cards in here. Some of you moms just heard that and you perked up and you're like, what? How do I get my hands on this? Well, we're giving out a couple of these. We're giving out three of these next week for Mother's Day. So here's how you get your hands on one of these bouquets of gift cards. Dads, husbands, kids, Listen up, friends. After the service, not right now, but after the service, go to phcc.church slash mothers and nominate your mom for Mother's Day because we want to give out a couple of these vases next week in honor of Mother's Day. And the only way to get one of these is if you're nominated. So again, dads, husbands, neighbors, friends, coworkers, kids, whoever you are, if you've got a mom that you want to support and nominate, go to phcc.church slash mothers and nominate your mom. You can share stories as far as why you believe she should get one of these. You can also upload a picture of her. So we want to honor moms and spread some love for moms. Now, I also have this. Hold on. Check this out. This is a limited edition tumbler as well. And so this is also going to be something that we give away. In fact, the first 100 moms who are nominated will get one of these tumblers. And so even if you're not one of the three that's chosen for one of these gift card bouquets, the first 100 moms that are nominated get one of these limited edition Pinion Hills tumblers. We've never even had these before. We just got them in for this special occasion. So no place else you can get these other than nominating your mom. So I would encourage you go again to phcc.church slash mothers, nominate your mom. First hundred moms that are nominated, get one of these. Even if you nominate your mom after the first hundred, there's still a chance that you can get into the drawing for, for uh, this bouquet of gift cards next week. And then next Sunday, we're going to announce the winners of this bouquet of gift cards during our live stream for Mother's Day at nine and 1030. So nominate your mom. I'm going to put these back. These smell really, really good, by the way. All right. So nominate your mom again, phcc.church slash mothers. Nominate your mom and she might win the bouquet of gift cards. We're just trying to spread some hope and joy and comfort during this time. Like many of you have already done. Thank you to those of you who are spreading hope and joy and love based on your generosity. Now that's what God wants for us. He's the God of all comfort and he wants us to comfort other people as well. He wants to comfort other people through us, but our enemy does not want that. He doesn't want us to be comforted and he doesn't want other people to be comforted. We talked about our enemy last week and we described him. He's the invisible enemy, right? Ephesians 6, 12 says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our invisible enemy does not want us to be impacted by God, which is why it's so important, like we talked about last week, to have the armor of God to protect ourselves. Now, if you missed last Sunday, let me recap for you the seven pieces of armor in the armor of God. Number one is the belt of truth. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness. Number three, the gospel of peace. Number four, the shield of faith. Number five, the helmet of salvation. Number six, the sword of the spirit. And number seven, prayer. Those are the seven pieces of the armor of God that you've got to have because our enemy is real and we are in a battle against the invisible enemy. So we've got to prepare for battle. Now you gotta understand our enemy is not stupid. Our enemy is calculated and cunning and crafty. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2, 9 through 11. He says, another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test to be obedient in everything. 
Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us. Let me read that again. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Paul is basically saying, hey, look, you've got to be obedient to God because otherwise the enemy, Satan, might outwit you. Now, how in the world does Satan outwit you? Well, again, he's calculated and cunning and crafty. Now, how does he outwit you? He takes a little bit of truth and he takes a little bit of deceit and lies and he blends them together. It's kind of like that game we used to play called Two Truths and a Lie. Have you ever played that game? If you've never played that game before, here's how it works. You basically share three statements, two of which are true, and one of them is a lie. Not necessarily in that order. One of any of those three might be a lie. For example, let's play together. I'm going to share three statements with you. Two of the statements are true, and one of them is a lie. Which one is the lie? In fact, if you think you know which one is the lie, comment with the number of whichever statement you think is the lie. Here we go. Number one, I spent the night at Alcatraz. Number two, I made the news as a shoplifter. Number three, I almost got shot down while flying a plane. Which of those is false? Two of them are true and one of them is false. Which one's false? Now, I'm trying not to blink and I'm trying to give you a poker face right now. Let me read them one more time. Here we go. I spent the night at Alcatraz. I'm not even going to look up at you because I don't want you to try to assess my eyes. I spent the, I spent the night at Alcatraz. I made the news as a shoplifter. I almost got shot down while flying a plane. Which one of those three statements is the lie? Now, I'm not going to tell you which one it is right now because I want you to guess and comment in the thread right now. I'll tell you at the very end of the service today which one of those is the lie. But this is the tactic of the enemy, right? He takes a little bit of truth and a little bit of lies and he merges them together and he tries to convince you that what he has to say is accurate even though it's different than what God has to say. We see this all the way from the beginning of time, right? Going back to Genesis, Adam and Eve are in the garden with God. Look at Genesis chapter 2 verses 15 through 17 says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it and the Lord God commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat of it you will certainly die now in the very next chapter that's when the serpent shows up and he starts trying to deceive and manipulate and lie to Eve here's what happens Genesis 3 verse 1 now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made now remember the enemy is calculated and cunning and crafty, right? Continuing on, verse one, the serpent said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Notice he threw in there the word any. Now, God never said that, did he? God said you can't eat from one tree. You can't eat from this particular tree in the garden, but but the serpent takes a little bit of truth and a little bit of lies, and he starts to twist it and make it sound believable, even though it's not what God said. God never said you can't eat from any tree in the garden. He said you can't eat from this one particular tree in the garden. So Eve calls the serpent on his deceit. Genesis 3, 2 through 3, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And then look at what she adds, you, and you must not touch it or you will die. That phrase, you must not touch it, wasn't what God said either. So even though she corrected the serpent in his lies and deceit, she takes the same tactic and does the same thing. Now, this is the tactic of the enemy. He takes a little bit of truth and a little bit of lies. He blends it together and he tries to convince you to believe things that are not biblical, not scriptural, and it's not what God ever said. In fact, this doesn't just go back to Genesis 2 and 3. It also is in the beginning of Jesus's ministry. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus goes out to the desert for 40 days and 40 nights to fast. And while he's out, 
out there, Satan comes to tempt him using the same exact tactic that he used in Genesis chapter two and three. Read along with me. Matthew four, one through three says, Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Understandably so, right? The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, of course, he could. Jesus is the son of God. So here's the truth in it. Jesus could have turned the stones into bread if he had wanted to. But notice the tactic that the enemy is using. Notice what Satan is doing. He knows that Jesus is hungry, so he's coming after him based on what Jesus is lacking. He's tempting him based on what Jesus is lacking. Friends, this is one of the tactics of the enemy. One of the tactics of the enemy is to try to come after you and tempt you based on what you are lacking. If you're lacking food right now, the enemy might come and try to tempt you to steal food, to shoplift from a grocery store. He might convince you or try to trick you or deceive you or tempt you to do that because that's what you're lacking right now. Are you lacking money right now? He might tempt you to cheat on your taxes. He might tempt you to have some sort of fraudulent activity with a stimulus or steal money from somebody else that's a close loved one if you're lacking in money. Are you lacking in physical connection right now during this quarantine, during the pandemic? Perhaps he's going to tempt you with pornography. Perhaps he's going to tempt you to have an affair, to go after physical connection with somebody else. You see, when you're lacking, the enemy is going to come to you and say, hey, I have what you need when you're lacking, but all along, God has what you need when you're lacking. Look at what David says in Psalm 23, 1. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack what? Nothing. When God is our shepherd, when God is the leader and the Lord of our life, we lack nothing. David continues on Psalm 23, 2 through 4. He says, God makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It all comes back to God is the God of comfort. And we lack nothing when we pursue and when we're engaged with the God of all comfort, we lack nothing. He gives us his comfort. The enemy though is going to say, oh, you're lacking something. Don't go to God. Come to me. I'll provide for you what you need, but it's all lies. He's taking truth and he's taking lies and merging it together, trying to convince you to believe that you can follow after him and listen to him instead of listening to God. So the enemy, Satan says, hey, just turn these rocks into bread and you're good. You're good to go. And here's how Jesus responds. Matthew chapter four, verse four, Jesus answered. He says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now notice that Jesus quotes scripture to Satan. Now again, Satan is calculated and cunning and crafty. So Jesus quotes scripture to fight against him, but then Satan uses scripture to tempt him in the very next statement. Look at this, Matthew 4, 5, and 6. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. In other words, Satan's telling Jesus, hey, become a base jumper. Go on the top of this temple and jump off and jump off, and you're the son of God, you're gonna be fine, and the angels are gonna catch you, right? He's quoting scripture. Satan is quoting scripture to Jesus. He's trying to tempt him based on quoting scripture. Now, as messed up as that is, I'm not gonna lie, I kind of tried to do the same kind of thing when I was in high school. In fact, when I was in high school, what I would do is I would write little notes to girls that I thought were cute, girls that I liked, and I would write them little notes, but I wouldn't write much on the note. All I would do is write a Bible reference, a Bible verse reference, and I would write down Song of Solomon 4-7, and then I would slip them the note. And of course, the girl would have to go and read it, and she'd look it up in the Bible and see what Song of Solomon 4-7 said, and then she would read the verse, and it says, "'Oh, how beautiful you are, my darling, 
There is no flaw in you. And the girls would always be like, oh, that's so sweet. That's so cute, which is totally opposite of what my wife is saying right now watching this. She's probably saying to me right now, you did what in high school? You said what to girls in high school? Don't worry about it, babe. Don't worry about it, babe. Just go look up Song of Solomon 4-7. Oh, how beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Remember that because I don't want to sleep on the couch. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of other high school boys right now that are like, wait, what was that reference again? I want to write that down. What was it? Song of Solomon 4-7. Don't get the verse wrong. Don't get it twisted. You can't write down the wrong verse because if you do, like if you write down Song of Solomon 4-5, for example, son, you're going to get slapped. That's not going to go well for you. So Song of Solomon 4-7, not 4-5. Get it right and write it down. Good luck to you. Back when I was in high school, quoting scripture, trying to get cute girls to like me didn't necessarily work. I never met Ashton until I was well out of high school. So it didn't work, nor did it work for Satan. Satan's trying to quote scripture, trying to tempt the Son of God to sin. And that didn't work either. Continue on with me. Matthew chapter four, verse seven, Jesus responds to Satan, who's trying to quote scripture to tempt him. Jesus says this, he says, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So Jesus makes it black and white. Don't test the Lord your God. Now, of course, Satan doesn't like that. He doesn't want to listen to Jesus. So he does what Jesus just told him not to do. Verse eight, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. And the enemy says this, he says, all this I will give to you, Satan said, if you bow down and worship me. Now, Jesus just told him, do not test the Lord your God. Yet, what's Satan doing? He's completely going against what Jesus just said, and he's trying to tempt him and test him. Hey, all the kingdoms, all the cities, everything you see, I will give to you if you just bow down and worship me. Here's how Jesus responds, Matthew 4, verse 10. Jesus said to Satan, he says, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Some of you probably need to memorize Matthew 4.10 and say these four words, away from me, Satan. Maybe you need to say it out loud because the enemy's coming after you and tempting you over and over and over. Maybe you need to blurt it out, away from me, Satan. Just make sure you do it when your spouse isn't around so they don't think you're talking to them. But maybe you need to say that out loud. But notice what Jesus said in all three of these temptations. Notice what he did. Each of these three temptations, what did he do? He quoted scripture. Friends, that's the same thing we've been talking about. Last week, we talked about the armor of God and how important it is to have scripture, the sword of the spirit, the double-edged sword, ready to go to fight against the attacks of deceit and manipulation and lies from the enemy. We gotta be ready to fight with truth against the lies and deceit of the enemy. Now, you might be thinking, why in the world did Jesus go to the desert in the first place? Why did he go out there for 40 days and 40 nights and allow himself to be tempted by Satan himself? Well, here's the reason why. Jesus wanted himself to go through these temptations so he knew what you and I felt like when we're tempted. Look at this verse in Hebrews 4.15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. The reason Jesus allowed himself to be tempted in the desert by Satan himself is because he wanted to have compassion and empathy for you and for me. He wanted to know what it felt like to go through temptations and torment in tough times so he could understand how we feel when we go through temptations and torment in tough times. And we see that in this last verse, Matthew 4, verse 11. Don't miss this last verse in the story. It says, then the devil left him. After these three temptations, then the devil left Jesus. But look at this last phrase, and the angels came and attended him. Now, why do you think the angels came and attended Jesus? Probably because he was exhausted and he was tired 
and he was sick of it. That's probably why the angels came and attended to him. He was exhausted and tired and sick of it. Perhaps that's how some of you feel right now with this pandemic. You're exhausted and you're tired and you're sick of it. Well, here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus understands how you feel. We don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us. He knows how it feels. He knows what we're going through. It may not be the exact same scenario, but friends, we have a God who knows how it feels to be exhausted and tired and sick of it. Jesus knows how that feels. That's the good news. Here's the bad news is that when we're exhausted and tired and sick of it, those are the moments when the enemy wants to creep in there and say, hey, listen to me. Hey, you should listen to me. I have what you need. Are you lacking? Because I've got something for you. And he tries to take truth and tries, tries to take deceit and tries to blend them together so you believe in the lies of the enemy when all along we should trust in God, turn to God, believe in God, have faith in God and go to God. Let me wrap up our time together with some verses from Isaiah chapter 40 verses 28 through 31 and may this encourage your soul, your mind and your spirit right now. The prophet Isaiah says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary and they will walk and not be faint. Friends, it does not say those who place their hope in the enemy will renew their strength. It says those who place their hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary and they will walk and not be faint. Friends, if you're exhausted, if you're tired, if you're sick of it, go to the Lord. Do not listen to the lies of the enemy. Instead, pursue God, engage God, have time with God, dig into God's word because he will renew your strength. Place your hope in God and he will renew your strength and you will run and not grow weary and walk and not grow faint. Friends, connect with God and place your hope in him. Let's pray together. God, we come to you now and we say thank you for your son. We thank you for the fact that we can put our hope in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the fact that he paid everything for us on the cross. He paid what we should have paid on the cross. He paid our payment for the penalty that we are deserved. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the fact that we have hope and joy and love and comfort in you, God. And I pray specifically for those who have not placed their hope in you. May this be a defining moment for them right now. May this be a moment that they choose to put their hope and place their faith in you during during these tumultuous times and these difficult times. I pray that right now that they can make a declaration with their heart and their mind and say, Jesus, I trust you. I follow after you. I invite you to be the leader and Lord of my life. I want to trust in you in every moment, not just during the good times, but also during the tough times and the hard times. So I give you my faith. I give you my trust and I place my hope in you. And it's in Jesus name that we pray. Amen. For those of you who prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to say congratulations because there's a party going on in heaven right now, which means it's worth celebrating that you joined God's family. When you make the decision to follow after Jesus, you've joined God's family. In fact, every first Sunday of the month, we commemorate and we celebrate by taking communion together. So I mentioned at the very beginning of the service that we're going to take communion. So if you haven't happened to have your crackers or your wheat thins or your saltines or your Oreos or whatever you got for communion, go get that, get your juice, your water, your coffee. And in just a moment, the band is going 
going to lead us in another song. And when they lead us in this song, I would encourage you to take communion. Now, if you happen to be sitting there with your spouse, pray with your spouse or pray with your kids. If you're just sitting there alone, that's fine too. Just pray on your own. Confess any sins that you might have. And at the same time, be grateful and thankful for what Jesus did for you on the cross. So when you take the cracker or the wheat thin or whatever you've got, take that and eat that together in remembrance of Jesus's body that was broken for you. That's what we celebrated just a couple weeks ago with Easter, that his body was broken, but that all he also conquered death and what he did on the cross, he paid the penalty for you and I. So eat the cracker in remembrance of his body that was broken for you and for I. And then drink the juice or the coffee or the tea or the water or whatever you have in remembrance of his blood that was shed for you and I as well. So with your family or in the solitude of wherever you're at, I would encourage you take communion while the band sings and leads us in this song. I'm caught up in your presence I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment I never want to Oh, I'm not here for blessing. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. But more than anything that you can do, I just want you. When I've just gone through the motions I'm sorry When I just sang another song Take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you And I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda, I'm sorry. When I forgot that you're enough, take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. Oh, I'm not here for blessing. 
but you don't owe me anything but more than anything that you can do I just want you oh I just want you nothing else nothing else nothing else will do I just want you nothing else nothing else Jesus nothing else will do oh, I just want you nothing else Nothing else, Jesus, nothing else will do. Oh, I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else, Jesus, nothing else will do. Oh, I just want you. Just want you. Yes. Oh, I just want you. Yes. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up. In this holy moment, I never want to leave. Oh, I'm not here for a blessing. Because Jesus, you don't owe me anything. But more than anything. That you can do. I just want you. Friends, Jesus paid it all for us. Let's pay attention to what he has to say instead of what our enemy has to say instead. Thank you for joining us today. As I mentioned earlier, we've got Mother's Day next week. So if you want to register and nominate your mom to win one of our gift card bouquets, again, go to phcc.church slash mothers. You can nominate her in the first 100 moms get one of our limited edition PHCC tumblers as well. Go on there right now and register your mom and let her know how much you love her. Also, we have baby dedications coming up on Mother's Day as 
as well. So if you have a child that you would like to dedicate, go to phcc.church and click on the banner that says baby dedications and you can get your child registered. If you'd like to give your tithe or your offering, you can go to give.phcc.church. And again, thank you to those of you who are still being faithful and generous during this time. Again, that link is give.phcc.church. If you would like prayer for something going on, we'd love to pray for you. You can go to prayer.phcc.church and we'd love to pray for you as well. Again, that link is prayer.phcc.church. Now, a few minutes ago, I told you that I would tell you what my lie was when we played the game of two truths and a lie. So if you remember those options, here were those options were, number one, I spent the night at Alcatraz. Number two, I made the news as a shoplifter. And number three, I almost got shot down while flying a plane. Which one of those is a lie? Do you think it was number one, number two, or number three? Well, hopefully you've already commented, but if you guessed number three, you'd be wrong. If you guessed number two, you were also wrong. The lie was number one. I never spent the night at Alcatraz, which many of you are now thinking, wait, you made the news as a shoplifter? Yep. And now some of you are thinking, wait, you almost got shot down while flying a plane, like an airplane? Yep. Now you're thinking, wait, did you, did you have your pilot's license? Do you have a license to fly planes? Nope. <laughs> and now you're wondering what in the world, how did you get on the news as a shoplifter and why did you almost get shot down while flying an airplane? I'd love to tell you all about it, but not right now. You got to tune back in this Thursday during my live stream. I'll tell you all about my shoplifting story, as well as the time that I almost got shot down out of the sky while flying a Cessna plane. And no, I did not have a pilot's license at the time. I still don't, never did. I'll tell you all about it this coming Thursday. So tune in on Facebook. In the meantime, thank you for joining us. Listen to God and not the enemy and may God bless you. We'll see you soon.